0: You're listening to The Packernet Podcast Network
1: It's only a kick A jump A block It's only a serve It's only a tackle A run It's only for the fans After all, it's only pressure You got this.
2: Adidas. What's up, Packer fans? Welcome into Packers Total Access. I'm your host, Clayton Bailey. You can check us out on packernet.com. You can find me on Twitter at packers underscore access. If you want to email the show, you can do so by sending a message to packers total access at gmail.com. And this is a special episode, guys. Uh, I tell you, it's a it's a special day for us Packer fans. Obviously, uh, it would fall on on a uh, on a Thursday where I would be doing a podcast, and why not dip into some history, right? I mean, it it would only be right to do that because today is the Green Bay Packers' birthday. It was August eleventh, 1919, when the Green Bay Packers were officially founded, right? And uh, that that date there tends to mark um, the exact day that the Green Bay Packers were talked about by Curly Lambeau and George Calhoun. It's such a special day, and for this franchise to last as long as it has, is uh, it's pretty remarkable, right? So we're going to cover that in a history segment here. I know a lot of people are cheering right now. We haven't done a history segment in some time, but, man, we just couldn't pass this one up. And we've talked about this topic several times in the past, but I think today um, what I'm going to do is play a little bit from the Packers history uh, or Packers legacy documentary and and let you hear some of the some of the people that I respect the most the Cliff Crystals and some of the other guys that cover the team and and their historical uh, aspect of of the coverage of the team And um, they do such an excellent job of telling the story way better than I could. But we're going to hop into a couple of facts. And then we're going to to dive into the NFL Network. Good Morning Football actually talked about two of our Green Bay Packers as the top five players to look for in this week's games. And I thought that was really, really interesting that Peter Schrager had only five choices and two of those five were Green Bay Packers. So we'll talk about that a little bit. I'm going to give you my five players that I'm looking to watch um, coming up tomorrow. And then, of course, we'll get you guys out of here because tomorrow night, gang, we're having our very first Packers Total Access post game show. And I just want you to know how excited I am. It's going to be such a good time. I want to kind of lay the, the foundation for that as we wrap the show up today so you kind of know what to expect and uh, what not to expect and um, how you guys can interact with us to make it better. Because I'm just telling you, gang, um, all you got to do is listen to one episode of Packernet After Dark, right, to see how awesome our listeners are, how awesome you guys are and how much value you bring to the table. When Ryan Schlitt launched that show, um, it was brilliant because it was the perfect way to get you guys interacting with with a host. And giving us content of what you want to talk about. Now, don't get me wrong. It gets off the rails every now and again. And and every time a caller calls in and tries to get it back on the rails, I'm over here fist pumping the air, right? But at the same time, man, some of those, uh, those calls that are off the rails are, are pretty entertaining. So you guys keep up the good work there. But again, we want to kind of give you an idea of what to expect moving forward. So with all that being said, let's just jump into it here. I'm going to... Uh, go ahead and play a video that I think is really, really cool. And it's Cliff Crystal, the team historian, and several other people. And they're just talking about that very day, August 11th, 1919. And again, this com- this audio clip comes courtesy of the Packers Legacy documentary that's free to everyone on Packers.com. And you can actually uh, purchase the DVD set, uh, which I have done. And then also Cliff Crystal has the four-volume uh book series that's the greatest story in sports telling the the history the entire uh, history of the green bay packers i'm telling you right now guys if you if you love the packers as much as i do and you love the history aspect of it you're going to want to pick up those two things that documentary set and then obviously the book set by cliff crystal but uh, without further ado, let's jump into August 11th, 1919, and, and this audio is going to start a little bit before that, okay? And it, this audio starts uh, roughly, it, it lasts, I don't know, roughly three minutes. So I, I think it would be worth your time to check this out, but let's, let's play it here.
0: Curly returns to Green Bay and goes back to work at the Indian Packing Company. He was working as a clerk of some sort. He was getting paid apparently pretty well and going back to Notre Dame didn't seem to be an option.
3: He was married on Saturday, August 16th, 1919. Curly Lambeau was passionate about football and he wanted to put together a team and he wanted to keep playing.
0: He ran into George Whitney Calhoun. Calhoun asked him what he was gonna do about football. He said, well, you know, I'd, I'd like to play. There's all kinds of myths or legends about
3: how george calhoun and curly lambo met nobody really knows
0: whether it was on a street corner or in a bar or whatever Calhoun allegedly said well why don't you start your own team a bond is struck between green bay's new team and the city's daily newspaper the green bay press gazette without curly there is no green bay packers And he had the help of, of course, George Calhoun, who was a uh, editor at the Green Bay Press Gazette. He came right out of Central Casting. He's the guy that you've seen in every movie from the 30s, the 40s. That was George Calhoun.
3: There was a cloud of blue smoke hovering throughout (laughs) the newsroom, and it was was memorable. I never really had a conversation with him other than, hi, Cal, how are you doing? In those days, the men didn't think much of women in the
0: newsroom. You liked to drink, mostly beer. He liked to chew cigars. What kind of guy right there? He was fond of uh, Limburger cheese. Just a good, crusty old newspaper, man. You gotta love him. He's just one of the editors, a guy who works in the office, putting out the paper. He's interested in sports, and he wants to make this thing go. August 11th, 1919. The Green Bay Packers organize. The inaugural meeting is held at the Press Gazette building in a dingy room on the second floor. Curly Lambeau was there. George Calhoun of the Press Gazette was there. Hard to say who else was there. Was at the Press Gazette, it was that date, and beyond that, much speculation. Which makes the Packers' history even more fascinating because there's so much myth to it. Some of the mystery adds to the
1: allure. We're never going to really know what was said in that meeting with Curly Lambeau and George Calhoun. That mystery doesn't take anything away. It adds to the history.
0: That's all we know for certain of the first meeting of what may be the most storied professional sports franchise in North America. More is known about the second meeting held three days later. The follow-up meeting was the 14th. And from that point forward, the Press Gazette covered the team probably as thoroughly as any paper in any pro football city.
2: All right, so you kind of hear the origins there, right? And it's it's why I did the history segment some time ago. You guys can go look it up on George Calhoun. There's so many Packer fans that have never heard of that name. And there's actually a statue of him on the Heritage Trail there in Green Bay um, outside of from what I understand in the downtown area close to where the Green Bay press uh, Gazette building is or, or was and and next to the uh, the team offices at the time um, you know, Lambeau field now sits on the west side of the river, right and we we kind of talked about that in the past um, of how they decided to put it on that side of town away from everything that was developed because they had plenty of land I'm sure it was cheap uh, to buy up that property. and that's what's made it so unique. you know if they had built Lambeau Field, on the east side of the river um you know it would it would probably be surrounded by the downtown area it's kind of bustling this and that the fact that they put it on the west side and those neighborhoods you know when they put it out there there was nothing there and the neighborhood kind of grew up around it and that's what's so unique about lambeau field everybody that i've ever taken to lambeau with me everybody that that has visited at the time that i was in town and we had conversations and it was their first time seeing lambeau that's what's so amazing to them they're like this stadium is sitting right in the middle of a neighborhood. And when I say neighborhood, they're not huge houses. These are one-level houses, rancher homes, two three-bedroom homes, right? It's just the coolest setting ever. But again, all of that stemmed from the uh the area over there on the east side. And, and that first year in 1919, obviously they played at Hegemeister Park and, and all that. But um I don't know, man. It's just, it's such a cool story that to think everybody hearing my voice and so many others that aren't even listening to this podcast, how much joy you get out of the Green Bay Packers, just watching them play and following the team. Right. And, and of course it's stressful at times. Right. <laughs> I mean, <clears throat> you know, it's, it's, it's give and take, right. It's a, uh, it's kind of that yin and yang. You, uh, you take the good with the bad. There's, there's sometimes you find yourself pulling your hair out and there's others that you're just on cloud nine watching the team perform and all of that. None of that would have happened gang, if it hadn't been for this, this meeting that took place. And, and really, it really comes down to two things. One of the facts that I have read over and over and over is that George Calhoun and Curly Lambeau didn't plan this. They just bumped into each other on the street. And you got to understand that George Calhoun covered East Green Bay High School for the Press Gazette. And, you know, Curly Lambeau was this standout football player for the Green Bay East, East Green Bay High football team. Mm -hmm. So when he comes back in from Notre Dame and he decided to withdraw from Notre Dame, he comes back home. He's working at the meatpacking company. George Calhoun stops and says, Hey, you should start a football team. That's literally how this all began. When you go to Lambeau field and you tour the stadium and you see those Lombardi awards, you go through that Packer hall of fame and all the players, all the lockers, the exhibits that are set up, or you walk outside and you see that tailgate on a Sunday afternoon and all the thousands of fans out there just having one big party, getting ready for the game. The game hasn't even started yet. And you see all these people dedicating this time. And you see the, the the mother and the father with their son or their daughter, you know, the son being in a football uniform, maybe the daughter in a football uniform too, maybe in a cheerleader outfit. And you see them embracing this tradition together. Um, it all goes back to that one lucky meeting where they bumped into each other. All of it. And, obviously, they got organized after that. I mean, it, it says, according to traditional accounts, Curly Lambeau, a standout high school football player, made Newt Rockney's varsity Notre Dame team in his freshman year. That is that is unbelievable in itself. Only to res- resign after a severe case of tonsillitis. Still wanting to play football, a casual conversation with George Calhoun, editor of the Press-Gazette, in the summer of 1919. Guys, on this very day, you are probably listening to this on Friday on the work day, yesterday, August 11th, 1919, in the summer heat, is when that happened. I just think that's so cool. In the summer of 1919, he convinced him to organize his own team. In the succeeding weeks, Calhoun ran advertisements in the Green Bay Press Gazette inviting prospective players to join the team. Okay. So he's, eventually, uh, you know, uh, essentially recruiting players for Lambeau, right? On August 11th, local athletes came together in the editorial room at the Green Bay Press-Gazette building and formed the team that would become the Green Bay Packers. So, you know, the story that I've heard is on August 10th is when they ran into each other and they decided to meet back August 11th. But again, like the historian said on the video and the audio there, there's so much mystery around it. It, 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 you're you're almost thankful you don't know all the details because it, it's kind of like that great movie where the ending isn't, you know, very definitive and you kind of paint the ending yourself like you might. Do I really understand it? Do I not? You know what? That's what keeps us coming back to this awesome, awesome story, right? And uh, it says that he, he ran advertisements in the Press Gazette inviting prospective players to join the team on August 11th. They met at the building and uh, that's how it was formed. While the Packers organization – uh, recognizes as 1919 as the year that this team, the town team, was founded. A number of sources show that the 1919 team succeeded teams organized on an annual basis since 1896. Lambeau organized the team in 1919 and brought it to the NFL in 1921, but the tradition of football in Green Bay goes back to 1896, earlier than any other NFL team, including the 1898 Racine Street Cardinals in chicago so hold that over the bears fans all right <laughs> and then obviously sponsorship since the team needed funds for uniforms and equipment lambo entered an agreement with his employer the indian packing company the company provided 500 and lambo agreed to name the team after it at first the team was was denoted the green bay indians but by the end of the year the press was referring to the team as the packers the company Uh, also allowed the team to use an open lot on company property for practices three times a week. And then obviously they played – I'll I'll read this part here and then we'll move on. The Packers played their home games in Hegemaster Park, a vacant lot next to East Green Bay High. Uh, There were no bleachers. The fans could watch the game for free. Walking along the sideline next to the line of scrimmage, the field was sectioned off with ropes, although the fans sometimes entered the field of play during particularly exciting parts of the game. At halftime, the players would gather in the end zone to discuss strategy and the fans would often join the discussion. To pay players' salaries, the hat was passed around the crowd for donations. The Packers played eight games at Hegemeister Park in their first season. Could you imagine? There was no locker room to go into at halftime. There were no whiteboards. There were no projectors. There were no tablets. There was, Heck, there weren't even Polaroids to look at You know, uh, game footage, all that. They met in the end zone. Hey, all right, let's take us a quick breather, 10 minute breather here. What do we want to do? What worked? What didn't work? And there's fans in there going, hey, look, you maybe you should uh, pass more down the right sideline, right? Hey, maybe you should, you know, it's just, I can just see it in my mind so clearly what that scene looked like at Hagemeister Park. And I am so, so thankful that not only Curly Lambeau withdrew, he resigned from Notre Dame and went back to Green Bay. But equally as thankful that George Calhoun just happened to bump into him and not just bump into him, but say, hey, you should you should put your own team together and boom, the, the rest is history. So thankful for that. So like I said, uh, you, you know, whether you're listening to this this afternoon, if so, hey, happy birthday. It is August eleventh. and in 1919 on this very day, the Packers were formed Now, you know, uh, all the ins and outs of that. And I love the mystery around the meeting. What we what we don't know is just, uh, it's absolutely awesome. So um, with that being said, guys, that's your history segment for today. Um, it's hard not to smile, man. It's hard not to smile. We're, I, I, it's just, it's an awesome feeling being a Packer fan. And I know you guys agree and you gals agree. So let's do this. Let's take us a quick commercial break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about, Uh, some of the players to watch. And and first of all, we're going to kind of lead off with a a quick audio that came from Good Morning Football and them talking about their top five players to watch uh, this week in the preseason, preseason week one. But first, let's take us a quick commercial break.
1: We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. With
3: threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial.
2: Okay, let's dive into it here, guys. Peter Schrager on Good Morning Football, they asked him, okay, what? who are your top five players to watch this week in preseason week one, okay? And we're going to start with number four on his list. Number four was our very own Jordan Love, and here's what he had to say about Jordan Love and, uh, and him getting the start tomorrow against the San Francisco 49ers.
3: Number four. Can we see one of these quarterbacks that uh, I've been waiting, oh. not this year, but maybe three years? Jordan Love, it's time. it's Love to see it. Give Jordan Love the rock, and let's see if he can actually play football in the NFL, even if it is in the preseason. We will know if there are strides from last summer and the one game we saw him against Kansas City. This is the man behind the curtain. We don't know what he's got because Rodgers is always on the field, but he was a first-round pick that the Packers traded up for. Rodgers... He seems to be in his corner. Take a listen to what Aaron Roberts had to say earlier this week.
0: I think there's always pressure on a first-round pick. Uh, the tracks are looking more similar by the day. You know, him being in his third year and me waiting behind Brett for three years. Something clicks in at some point and the game slows down and you, st- and you make the plays that you know you're capable of making and I look forward to watching him on Friday and, and, uh, and against the Saints as well. But the most important thing for a quarterback is that confidence. And the confidence comes from the consistency and the fundamentals of making plays in practice and feeling good about the offense and, and all the things that are expected of you. What
3: does it all mean, Peter? What's it all mean? you got to decipher it. What it does mean is that Jordan Love's going to have the rock in his hands and we could actually see empirically, can this guy do it or not? You no, know it's the preseason, big opportunity for Jordan Love to prove himself to at least some people around the league.
2: Number three. Awesome. So Jordan Love on Peter Schrager's list of the top five players to watch in preseason week one. Jordan Love comes in at number four. I thought that was really, really cool. And uh, I completely agree. It's going to be it's going to be great to see how he performs tomorrow night against the Niners. So up next, we have his number one on this top five. That's right, guys. His number one player to watch for preseason week one is a Green Bay Packer as well. And let's uh let's play this audio clip and uh, unveil who it is. Network, yes, <laughs> Isaiah Pacheco,
3: that's the guy. Uh, but number one, I'd be remiss if we didn't give this entire segment, and I'm only giving him a couple minutes to uh, the training camp sensation of the year, one. Mr. Romeo Dobbs. Let's go, hey, Romeo! Bay. We have called him Romeo Dobbs. We've called him Romeo Dobbs. We've called him, it is Romeo Dobbs. That is his name. Get used to it because you're going to be hearing a lot of it. All right, Romeo Dobbs, where's number eighty-seven? The old Robert Brooks, Jordy Nelson number. He's going to come in there and he's going to fill a role. A fourth-round pick out of Nevada, he has been sensational. You don't have to hear it from me, and I can't do the whole. So I'll just tell you this: just hear from the Packers players themselves. Take a look at some of these quotes. You would think we're talking about a Hall of Famer here. Here's Aaron Rodgers. Every single day, there's been at least one kind of wow play for him. And that's kind of rare for a young guy like that. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Aaron. Who else do we got? How about Alan Lazard, who came on our show? Romeo is extremely talented. You're able to see his potential being very high. He's made fantastic plays all throughout camp. Honestly, every single day, he's had a wow moment from all of us. Need one more? How about the defensive player, Jair? um, Yeah, what's he got? Throughout the first part of camp, I gave him some time to get his feet wet, get comfortable. And I felt like once he was getting a little too comfortable, that's what I wanted to challenge him. I gave him game reps. I gave him the intensity of a game against me. Somebody liked me and wanted to see what he was like. I wanted him to feel that. And guess what? He stepped up. Romeo Dobbs will be on that field taking the passes, whether it be from Jordan Love or whoever the backup star. And I cannot wait to see what he actually does after all this summer hype. We've got two Packers on the list. One now. One and four, but we've got Chiefs,
2: Jets, packers, Steelers, of course. These are the names that we're hearing the most. All right, so like we said, uh, Jordan Love coming in at number four, Romeo Dobbs coming in at number one. So I thought this would be a good time for me to give you guys uh, my top five list of players that I'm looking uh, to really pay attention to tomorrow. Um, I'm planning on recording the game. And I'm going to go back and, and watch every snap again and study each of these players and just kind of see what they do good, see what they do bad. We're stepping into this new format of Packers Total Access in the podcast, right? And uh, I want to kind of get a good foundation laid of of what the week is going to look like, right? So let me give you an example. First of all, um, obviously the game's on a Friday night this week, okay? So Friday night will be the post game show. We will not do a show Saturday. We will do a show Sunday. So on Sunday. We're going to kind of go back and maybe pick one or two really good plays that stood out to us and maybe one or two bad plays and kind of break it down and see, you know, how the game unfolded in a more detailed manner, right? And then on Tuesday, we're going to hit you with news and notes, injury updates, that type of thing, okay? And then on Thursday, we're going to come back and preview the next game, okay? We didn't do that today because of the special occasion, of August 11th, 1919, and being the anniversary of the founding of the Packers. So that's why we didn't do that today. So that's going to be kind of how Packers Total Access runs this entire season. We're going to give you a post-game show every single game, barring any kind of emergency. And I know you guys are are very very gracious when it comes to stuff like that. You know life gets in the way sometimes. But if everything goes as planned, we will have a live post game show. I'll talk about that a little bit here in a second, but I want to kind of give you an idea of how things break down. So when we go into tomorrow's game, here are the five players that I'm most excited about and to watch play and see how they go how they how they perform under a little bit of pressure and going up against other NFL talent, be, you know, be it backups. We here's the thing we can't do. We cannot control who the other team starts. Now, I'm excited to see Trey Lance start because I feel like he's got to play for the 49ers. I want to see what's there because it has been such a mixed review of Trey Lance in camp, right? So I'm excited to see that, but other than that, we don't know who's going to be playing for the Niners. So let me give you my top 5 players I'm excited about watching tomorrow night. Number 1, they they mentioned it here, it's Romeo Dobbs. Guys, we've seen Jeff Janis and Aberderis and uh and all of the uh you know, who was the other guy? Gosh, it it uh, it, it escapes me right now. The guy that ended up in Buffalo, touchdown Jesus. Anyway, <laughs> um, we've had so many wide receivers come through, so many years, and we get all hyped up. This is different. This feels totally different. I never bought all the hype on those other receivers. I would, I, I, I was one of those guys that was helping make fun of some Packer fans because it's like, man, this guy he. Yeah, he had a good game, but you got to understand the talent he's going against, this and that. You've never heard Aaron Rodgers talk about a rookie receiver the way he's talking about Dobbs. You've never heard teammates talk about it, like you heard Alan Lazar. Jair Alexander sees something, obviously, if he wants to step on the field and challenge him. Right? I mean, it's it's pretty exciting. I can't wait to see what he does tomorrow. And it's, it's kind of a, a really good scenario for Romeo Dobbs because he's not going to be out there with Etling right off the bat. Romeo Dobbs, obviously, Alan Lazard, Randall Cobb, Sammy Watkins, they are not going to play. So we're going with our backup lineup all the way across the board from what I understand, other than just with the exception of Quay Walker. It seems like Quay Walker is going to get a little bit of playing time. We'll get to him in a second. But you're going to get Jordan Love throwing to Romeo Dobbs. So Dobbs is going to have a great opportunity to go up against a backup of equal talent against him, right? Here's the thing. Maybe this is too much pressure for a rookie wide receiver, but this is the way I'm viewing the game tomorrow. First of all, I'm not expecting Romeo Dobbs or a healthy Christian Watson to come in and just blow the league's socks off. I, I'm not that kind of fan. I come from a realistic approach. And, look, it's so rare that a Justin Jefferson comes on the scene and does those things. But what I'm looking for tomorrow with Romeo Dobbs, he's going to be going up against number two corners most likely. Again, we haven't gotten any answers out of Sam Fran, but I'm expecting it to be the backups. He should really, really flash against number two corner if he's as good as everyone's saying he is coming out of camp. So I feel like after tomorrow, we'll have a little bit better understanding. the The pitcher will start to become a little bit clearer on what we have with Romeo Dobbs. If we if we go out, whether Jordan misses him on a throw or not, if he comes out there and he's consistently burning that opposing defender on you know a multitude of routes, and he's got separation, and and he shows that he can get over the drop issue that he's had in camp. That's what's amazing is, uh, you know, he he has had some drop issues. But at the same time, look at all the flash plays he's made. So he hasn't been perfect, but he's made so many flash plays that it's like, holy cow, that everybody's forgotten about the few drops he's had. So I'm looking for those type of things from Romeo Dobbs tomorrow. I'm really, really excited to see what he does. Um, Number two on my list is Quay Walker. You know, when when Matt LaFleur pulled the players together yesterday – it pretty much became common knowledge. These are the the starters that won't be playing tomorrow. It was kind of like this last second meeting. He was probably prepping on them, prepping them on what to do tomorrow, uh, how they want to stay in somewhat of a routine, how they can help their teammates, help the younger guys, that type of thing. I'm sure is what it was. Quay Walker was not there, to the best of my understanding, which tells us Quay Walker is going to play, and he should. He's a rookie, right? Nobody's a shoe in. I mean, this guy has looked excellent, and you know, I would argue that he's looked even better than Romeo Dobbs. Just the fact that he's running with the ones, he's not getting burned. We've seen him on family night. He just looks like he belongs. He looks like a man amongst boys on that field. I'm really, really excited to see Quay Walker tomorrow, so I'm going to be having my eye on him on the defensive side of the ball, especially early on because he probably won't play the entire game. But if he plays the first half or however long, when Quay Walker's on the field, those are the two guys I'm watching. Romeo Dobbs on offense, Quay Walker on defense. And, of course, number three on my list is Jordan Love. So it's going to be real easy to find him as well with Romeo Dobbs. I want to see them hook up. I want to see how Jordan Love performs. Now, here's what's really cool. Even though we're minus David Bakhtiari at left tackle and Elton Jenkins at what would probably be right tackle, possibly left guard, possibly center, depending on how Myers performed, those guys are out. But you still have your starting offensive line. As it sits right now in the depth chart, Our starting offensive line will be playing tomorrow. So I want to see what happens there. If Royce Newman does indeed line up at right tackle, we have Yash at left tackle, John Runyon Jr. at left guard, and you've got uh, Jake Hansen at right guard with Myers at center. I want to see what Jordan Love can do because if those are backup defenders, if they don't play the Boses, and I'm sure they won't, if they don't play their starting defense – then that offensive line should be able to handle those number twos fairly well, which means Jordan Love should have time to throw the ball and Romeo Dobbs should have an opportunity to get open against um, those backup defenders. So those are the two guys on offense I'm really, really excited about looking for and, uh, and to kind of see you know how they're going to perform. I think that'll be uh, really, really cool to watch there. Now, up next, number four, um, Kingsley and Nagbar. okay? Um, I'm, I want to see what he does. It'll probably be the second half. I would imagine it sounds to me like it's probably going to be Jonathan Garvin and Tepa Nolly, who is going to be, uh, going to be starting at edge. Okay. When, when those two guys come out or if they run a rotation, however they do it, you're going to get Kingsley on the field. And you're also going to probably get a little bit of Hamilton on the field. I really want to see what Kingsley does. Uh, with with live bullets I want to see him with live reps um, I, I think that obviously the weak part of his game is the running game right him, him protect you know covering the run the running game the, the run defensive aspect of his game is really really weak from what I understand and it's kind of showed up in camp you've seen that from time uh, from time to time now I had mentioned on a past podcast that the positioning of the hash marks in college really benefits those wide nine top edge rushers. Well, when you're rushing wide nine, you're not not looking to set the edge. That's typically a specific pass situation, and you're just, you know, pinning your ears back and going after the quarterback. That's what Kingsley did a lot of, okay? And I want to see him play the run tomorrow. I'm going to be looking for him as we get into the second half. So if you guys haven't caught on, I'm kind of giving you first-half players to look for and most likely second-half players. And that's not to say Matt LaFleur couldn't throw a wrench in it and start Kingsley You know, in the first half. That could happen. But if it doesn't, in the first half, I'm looking for Jordan Love and Romeo Dobbs on offense and Quay Walker on defense to see what they do. Now, going into the second half, Kingsley and Agbar, right? Off the edge. Also, the other player I'm looking for, and this is an offensive player, I want to see what Zach Tom does. I want to see if they put Zach Tom at left tackle because right now they don't have him on the depth chart as backup left tackle. They have him as backup right tackle. I want to see where they put him and I want to see how he performs on that preseason stage. Cause I think we've got something in Zach Tom. I do. I don't, maybe he don't have enough to crack the starting lineup yet, but he kind of looks like one of those players, maybe like a John Runyon. you know, John Runyon came on and a lot of people would have said, Oh, that's a bust pick. He's just going to be a career backup player. And then lo and behold, his pass protection last year was excellent. I mean, it was really, really good. I can't remember the exact PFF grade, but he held his own when protecting for the pass, So uh, I want to see Zach Tom. So again, that list in order, number one, Romeo Dobbs at wide receiver, number two, linebacker Quay Walker, number three, quarterback Jordan Love, number four, uh, edge defender Kingsley and Agbar, Um, and then number five, uh, offensive lineman, most likely right tackle Zach Tom, if indeed you do buy into the hype of of the depth chart and he'll be in the number two right tackle. So those are the players I'm looking for. And I wanted to kind of give you guys that prep. I wanted to kind of let you know what I was looking to watch for tomorrow night, as we have live preseason game. Now, it's my understanding this is great news here. This might—I don't think it's a formal announcement, but uh, hopefully, he doesn't mind me saying it. I know he's planning on it. So, if he doesn't make it, um, it's you know, please don't don't hold him to this. But I'm hearing rumors that Ryan is going to do a live stream, okay, during the preseason game. He's not going to be showing the preseason game, but they're going to be doing a watch party for the preseason game. So keep an eye out for that so you can hop into the chat watch the game along with us i may hop in from time to time but i'm going to be really doing a lot of prep for the post game show it's going to be hard for me to be able to sit down and uh and actually engage and bring some some bit of value to that production if ryan does invite me on there but uh, i may drop in and say hi but guys, make sure you tune into that. If he does, keep keep like I say, keep your eyes to Twitter and see if Ryan puts out a promotion for that. If he does, you're going to want to jump all over it. It's going to be a good time. It always is, man. It always gets goofy, but we're watching football, having a good time. It's a uh, it, it's it's such an awesome way to interact with the other PackerNet podcast uh, community. It's really really cool. So let's talk about the post game show. I want to give you guys some expectations, and we're going to get you out of here. The post game show is going to go live immediately following the game. Okay. And it's awesome that we're going to be able to do this for preseason games so we can kind of get our feet wet and figure out what works and what doesn't. So when we go live, you're going to get a notification. It's going to go live on YouTube, and it's going to go live on Twitter. I would recommend you try to get to YouTube to watch the show, okay? I just feel like it's a lot easier to interact in the chat there and all that. We'll try to keep people monitoring Twitter, but what's awesome is um, as we go live for that, if you have comments, they will display on our screen. We'll be able to put them up for everyone to see, and you'll be able to engage in the conversation, okay? We want you guys to be able to do that. We can make this post-game show huge, but we need help from the listeners to do that, all right? So I just want you to know that we're going to be going live immediately following the game. Now, also understand that the production value is going to be a little bit different. You're going to see some screens of going on and off during the live broadcast. And the reason being is we're going to put this in a podcast form for you guys, too. There's a lot of people that as soon as the game's over, you might have family time. You might be going to dinner, whatever it might be. You might be passed out drunk because the Packers got blown out because they didn't play any other good players. And you wake up and go, crap, I missed the postgame show. Well, we're going to have it in a podcast form immediately following the show. And we wanted to do that. We're going to do it all year long so you can have the Packers Total Access Post Game show. When you wake up Monday morning or immediately following the game, if you want to go back and listen to it, you can download that podcast and when you go to work on monday for you know a normal uh, you know sunday uh, kickoff day you'll have that pod to listen to and it's going to be roughly an hour to 2 hours long most likely an hour starting off And we're going to give you all the ins and outs of that game in real time. You're going to hear us as soon as the game wraps up. We're going to try to get you some audio clips from highlights. We're going to try to get you press conference audio clips if we're we're able to do that in a timely manner. Because, you know, sometimes there's a little bit of a delay there, uh, you know, with getting the players and the coaches in front of the media, all that stuff. But we're going to break down the good. We're going to break down the bad. We're going to break down the ugly. We're going to give you, you know, any injuries that may have happened. Knock on wood, Right that there's not going to be any Packer injuries at all. Um, And and you'll come away from that post-game show with a, a complete understanding of where we stood on the game, immediately following it. You know, sometimes your opinion changes 24, 48 hours after a game wraps up, right? I think it's awesome to catch it in the heat of the moment. As soon as the game wraps up, you know, there's going to be excitement for wins and there's going to be some disappointment for losses. You take the good with the bad, we kind of dissect everything and then we get geared up for during a regular uh, a regular season game if the game's on Sunday we do the Sunday post game show then when we come back on Tuesday we're going to break down what happened for the game in a little uh, in depth a little bit more but the post game show is going to be designed for really two things we want to bring you the statistics with the injuries all that stuff but also we want to get your comments we want to get your reactions from the game all right so that's something that's going to be very very important too so when you're on the post game show what we want you to do in that chat, in those comments, is give us your feedback, man. Hey, this player looked really good. Man, this player looked really, really bad. Hey, here's something I think we should work on. Whatever whatever your feedback is, just a go, pack, go, all that, right? And we're going to be able to display that on the screen and, and read it off for you guys. So I'm really excited about it. You can probably hear it in my voice. I'm a little bit nervous, too, because, again, you guys just kind of show us some grace. It's going to take a little bit of time to get everything down. But if everything goes as planned, I'm going to have Jacob, my sidekick, on here with us. Uh, He'll be there with us for the entire duration of the show. As long as everything works out with Ryan and and, and what he's got going on at the house, he's going to hop on the the post-game show with us too. And we may have a a few other special guests. So you can imagine in one hour's time, that's going to fly by, right? Especially when you've got guests coming on like that. So um, we're really, really excited though, about getting to that. Um, It's a, it's a fun time, man. The season's kicking off. And again, like we said, uh, very first preseason game tomorrow, and we're going to be able to hang out with you guys and, and bring you all that info. So two things, be sure you're looking for that that uh, announcement from Ryan if he's going to do a watch party, hop in on that action, and then obviously look for the post game show to go live. So going to be a short episode today. Again, we wanted to cover August 11th, 1919. Say happy birthday to all you Packer backers out there, baby. This is uh, it's, a, it's a great day. Have a cold beer tonight. Or a Coke, whatever it is you prefer to drink, right? And uh, and when you do, just throw a little toast out there to Curly Lambeau and George Calhoun, because if it wasn't for them on this exact freaking day in 1919, the Green Bay Packers would not exist. I believe that with everything in me. So, that being said, thank you guys for tuning into the pod. I'm gonna get you out of here. I don't want to waste any of your time. We're gonna get uh, get busy here with the post game show. Get everything set up. Make sure it flows uh, nice and neat for tomorrow. Um, as always. Let's go out and be the change we want to see. And oh boy, I about did it. I about did it. Here's the big announcement. <laughs> the post-game show tomorrow. Another thing we're going to be doing as the show wraps up. We're going to spin the wheel. We have 540 entries into our Monday night football giveaway for Packers, Rams, December 19th matchup at Lambeau Field. We're giving away one indoor club seat. It's going to be inside in the corner of the end zone. You're going to be able to uh, hang out with us, PackerNet Podcast guys. Uh, my wife will be there as well. And you're going to be indoors, 67 degrees. Don't have to worry about the cold. Get to watch the Packers and the Rams play. And uh, that ticket is valued at $500. And then also you get a VIP tailgate party pass where um, they're having a VIP tailgate party at D2 Sports Bar three hours before the game indoors, okay? There's a tailgate party outside of D2, but you have a VIP pass, limited pass for inside, all you can eat, all you can drink, um, you know, three hours before the game, catch some of the late afternoon finishes, then we'll head over to Lambo, go up into the uh, indoor club seats and watch the Packers battle the Rams. We're going to be giving away that ticket, those two items, tomorrow live on the post game show so if you entered it that it's already the contest is already closed we've already got all the entries in okay um if you entered it make sure you tune in tomorrow and we'll announce the winners and one of the things we're going to do and i'll talk about it tomorrow we're going to pick three winners, okay? And the reason being is if the first one doesn't come forward in a certain amount of time and, and collect the prize, then we've got a backup winner. If they don't do it, we've got a third winner, okay? If three people don't collect it, then I don't know what to tell you. We'll, we'll donate it to somebody. <laughs> but that's kind of the plan. We're going to make that announcement live on the air. So sorry about that. Again, thank you so much for tuning in. As always, let's go out and be the change we want to see in the world. And go Pack Go. Go Pack Go. 17 to 14. Cowboys out in front. Star begins to...